Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Savior, we see. Oh, what a glorious day that we 
sunshine. My, what a day to send it out. Happy to have so many here upon this stormy day to sing out heavenly sunshine across the nation. And as you do and sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. Now really lift it up all together. Heavenly so many service men here today. Fellas, will you sing for me? Come on. And all the rest of us will hum in the background. Mighty happy to have you with us. Now listen to the service men sing Heavenly Sunshine. All right, fellas. And sing it down. Wonderful. microphone now. Thank you and be seated. Just this word to the visible audience and to the radio audience, this international soul-saving ministry that God has so graciously permitted us to have from year to year. This has been a faith work made possible just as God through you enables us to carry on. Remember our mailing address. Old Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101.
walk on the streets of glory. I'm gonna walk on the streets of glory some of these days. Hallelujah. I'm gonna walk on the streets of glory. Gonna walk on the streets of glory some of these days. I'm gonna sing and shout forever. Sing and shout forever some of these days. Hallelujah. I'm going to sing and shout forever. Going to sing and shout forever some of these days. I'm going to see my sainted mother. I'm going to see my sainted mother some of these days. Hallelujah. I'm going to see my sainted mother. Gonna see my sainted mother some of these days. I'm gonna see my blessed Savior. I'm gonna see my blessed Savior some of these days. Hallelujah. I'm gonna see my blessed Savior. Gonna see my blessed Savior some of these days.
Now, Mrs. Fuller, with the letters, go right ahead, honey. Greetings, friends. A lady writes that while a student at a Texas university, she belonged to a Christian organization which sent musicians and speakers out to the rural districts to meet in small, out-of-the-way churches or little country schoolhouses. The student speakers introduced themselves, and when this lady said that she was from California, in every meeting, people would come up and say, have you ever been to the broadcast in Long Beach? And she would be very happy to say that she had several times. And then the people would say, oh, we love that hour. We depend on it. We never miss it. These people seldom have more than one or two services a month out in those Texas plains. And I just wanted you to know, Mr. Fuller, that you're reaching a large and very appreciative and also a needy audience who consider you their pastor. That's good, isn't it? From New York, a lady writes, Two years ago last July, my husband was converted right by our radio. And my, he surely was a changed man after that. And we were both so happy. But last November, he had a severe heart attack, and God took him home. It is very lonely for me, but I feel God's way is the only way, and we must yield to him. Your program comforts me. The singing is so beautiful, like what we shall hear in heaven, I think. Dear Dr. Fuller, we have written you from California, from Memphis, Tennessee, Cherry Point, North Carolina, and other places, while moving around with the Marines. And every place we could get our favorite program. Now my husband is out of the service and home again in Minneapolis. How God has blessed us as we have tried to be faithful to him. A young soldier writes from Korea saying that he's so happy in the Lord. He has several Christian companions out there, and they meet every night for prayer and have been able to lead two men to Christ, two servicemen, in the last few days. They have been carrying the gospel to the Korean people, going with an interpreter to a nearby church. This boy is from Indiana, and he says the folks back home listen, and I was just brought up on the old-fashioned revival hour, and how I do wish I could hear it again. And then as a postscript, that young soldier in Korea send us a verse of scripture that he said has been a comfort to him many times when he's discouraged. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's a good verse not only for our servicemen, but for us at home, isn't it? This last letter is just an interesting sidelight. A man writes very appreciatively from South Wales, where there's such fine singers, you know. He said, we want to thank you for your broadcast, for it comes in so clearly, and we do enjoy the service so much. It is simply wonderful. If you could see our valley on Thursday midnights, lights in the windows, probably hundreds of them, People tuned in to your service. They just love it. We have many communists here, too, who listen. They have told me so. One found his wireless would not work, and he ran to another person's house to listen in. May many over here find the Savior by listening. And that is all for today, friends.
we stand, please, and sing two verses of number 135. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Remain standing for prayer. for prayer and happy to have our son Dan with us again today on the broadcast of the old-fashioned revival hour. Dan, will you lead us in prayer? Let us all unite our hearts together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that the gospel which thou hast given to us is not just a plan or a program, but that it centers around a person who has power to save from sin. Oh, Father, we are thankful that Jesus Christ stands ready to save all to the uttermost that come unto thee by him. Father, we're thankful today that everyone, no matter how severe their problem may be, can find peace and happiness through Christ. And so today, Father, we pray that thou wilt bless the many who are listening out in the radio audience today. Bless those who are on beds of sickness, and may they become quickened in body and in mind as they believe on Christ. We pray also that thou wilt bless those who are burdened down by the guilt of sin, that they may look unto Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world and thus find peace. We pray also for those whose sons and loved ones are still fighting in far-off Korea. And, Father, we pray that they may come into such a relationship with thee that they may be able to say that truly all things do work together for good. And thus, Father, we pray today that this broadcast may be effectual to the winning of many souls. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled The Spirit Filled Christian Home. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, as we rejoin the broadcast. Somebody came and lifted me out of my sin and misery. 
take your Bibles and turn to the fifth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the 22nd verse, speaking very briefly today upon the Spirit-filled Christian home. Next broadcast, Lord willing, we begin a series of messages upon the general theme of the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you, as a fellow believer, should know something of Satan's methods to wear you down and to wear you out if possible and to deceive you if possible. And we will spend several Sundays upon the sixth chapter of Ephesians, especially from verse 10 to the 19th verse. Tell your friends, and may I just give you this word of warning every time you speak upon Satan and his work, he makes it difficult, and he'll do everything in his power to hinder the broadcast. I know from previous experience, you say, well, I don't believe in a devil. Well, I do. He's fighting every minute of our existence. And not only that, but the Word of God says so. Now, will your Bibles open to Ephesians 5.21 on the Spirit-filled Christian home. The home is truly a divine institution. And as the home goes, so society will go. Let the home be broken down, father and mother separated or divorced, and children scattered or made wards of the court, and you will find a breakdown of the standards of righteousness, honor, and honesty in society at large. We're now living in a day when there are many enemies of the home, and they are constantly at work in the land. And Satan, the enemy of men's souls and hater of all that is good and holy, seems to be directing his hosts of wickedness against the home to destroy this holy institution or to empty the home by the way of easy and oft-repeated divorces and remarriages and to rob the home of its great character, its stabilizing qualities, to leave children 
of tender years without parental love, security, and much-needed discipline and child training. Say what you please, the home is the very foundation of good, upright society. The very fact that we have corruption sweeping in our quarters today, sweeping over the land, goes right back to the home. And you can put your finger on the sore spot because the home is not like it used to be in the old-fashioned days. Say what you please. A good home is a great heritage. A Christian home is a greater heritage. But a spirit-filled Christian home is the greatest of all heritages that one may leave imprinted upon the sons and daughters of the coming generation. Think of it. A home, a Christian home, but above all, a spirit-filled Christian home. Little did I realize in my younger years how fortunate I was to have an old-fashioned Christian home where God's Word was honored and where we went rain or shine to Sunday school, we had to go. And God bless mother and dad for making me go. Some of you said you had to go when you're children, so you're not going to go now. Shame on you. You need to go more than ever. I learned obedience and was trained up to do the things as God would have them done. And I bless the memory of Christian mother and a Christian father. In Ephesians 5:22 to 6:9, God's Word gives a word picture of a spirit-filled Christian home. I'd like to have you read these verses with a prayer that your home may always be a spirit-filled home. Now, three divisions of the Christian home are set forth here in these verses. First of all, husband and wife, parents and children, and then master and servants. And time will only permit me to speak upon the first two, husband and wife, and parents and children. Now notice that beginning at the 22nd verse, the Lord speaks to the wife first. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That is, be in subjection. Do not assume headship in the home, for wherever and whenever a wife strives to be the head of the house and assume the place of headship, then trouble and discord and dishonor comes forth. And that does not honor God's word. And wherever you're listening in today and you're trying, wife, to be the head of the house, I would ask God to forgive you and begin to be in subjection to your husband. Men ought to say amen to that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> this is what we need, God's teaching. Wives, be in subjection unto your own husband. For note verse 23 and then verse 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All right. The headship of the husband is by divine appointment. First Corinthians 11:3. For I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And so we see in verse 33 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife, see that she reverence her husband. 
Honey and I were talking about this some time ago, and she said, I'm glad that you're the head of the house. I said, Amen. All right. Now, <laughs> this does not mean slavish obedience to every whim and fancy of unreasonableness or selfishness on the part of the husband, but loving and joyous subjection of loyalty to love. Now, so much for that part of the house, and it's a very important part of the house. I've often said, and I mean it from the very bottom of my heart, we have wonderful harmony in our home. I'm the head of the house, but honey has a wonderful way in directing the head, and I thank her for it. And we work together, have worked together all these years. Now in reference, <laughs> now in reference to the husband, don't think for a moment that I'm not going to take some of your hide off. For in the verse 23 of the fifth chapter of Ephesians, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now this may not sit very well with some, especially where there's a tendency to assume a man's place of leadership. But bear in mind two things. The headship of the husband is by divine appointment. Let us remember, second, that the heavenly is the pattern of the earthly, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, the marriage of a Christian man and woman is the holy counterpart of this heavenly wedlock, Christ and the church. And what Christ is in his love and relationship to the church, the husband is to his wife. Now, I want to give this word. This does not mean, for example, to give the husband a privilege to be either a bully or a brute. It does not grant him uncontrolled license to do his own will or unrestrained liberty to have his own way. For verse 28 of chapter 5 says this, so ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And if you are married, a believer, married to a Christian wife, God wants you to love that wife and to cherish her and to treat her as the weaker vessel and to love her even as your own flesh. So ought men to love their wives. Now notice, as their own bodies, for he that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now there are these things to note in the 29th verse. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. Again in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What a beautiful relationship. The wife taking the place of subordination, the husband, the head of the home in parental authority, and the two pulling together and working together. And I can say after years of wonderful harmony in the home, that working together doubles our joys and halves our sorrows and tribulation. And frankly, I want to say this, and I say it with a heart full of love and joy that God has given me a wonderful helpmate. And I'm thankful I wouldn't be where I am today if it were not for the loving and helpful consideration of one who has stood by 
all these years. God bless you, honey. You know what I'm speaking of. I'm just a part of the house, and we work together, and God has wonderfully blessed our home. How beautiful to see such a home, a Christian home, a spirit-filled Christian. And the chances are that the children in this kind of a home will never darken a prison door or be led away by forces of evil or become drug addicts or become juvenile delinquents. And I say to you today that the cause of rapidly rate of juvenile crime delinquency goes back to the home, goes right back to you, father and mother. Say what you please. If you fail, it's because you did not start early enough at the very cradle to raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, how we need Christian home. And if this message happens to be cutting into your home and there's disharmony, disunity, and backbiting and bitterness and no cooperation, get down on your knees together and give your hearts first to God or to Christ and have the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse your heart and then begin from today on to establish a Christian home and ask God to enable you to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just a plain, homey, everyday, simple exhortation. Now beginning chapter 6, here's the spirit-filled home in reference to parents and children. Harmony in many a home is broken between parents and children due very largely to two things, disobedience and lack of discipline. In fact, the Word of God points out that in the last days, those last days just prior to the Lord's visible return, will be marked by much disobedience on the part of children to parents. You can read it in 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. I think I'll take just a moment and read it to you. Because this was given centuries ago, and looking down through the vista of ages, the Holy Spirit said, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Why? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, selfishness, self-centered, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Now notice, right in the midst of it, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And if you read the first chapter of Romans, verse 30, you'll find among all the degrading sins that is spoken of there, that disobedience to parents is spoken of. Now notice, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord. Obey, here is God's command, and he commands parental authority. And for children to obey and to listen to parents, and to be obedient in the Lord. Some time ago, Mrs. Fuller and I were seated at a lunch counter, and a mother brought in a little, about seven-year-old boy, and she set tempting things before him. He was determined that he was not going to eat anything. He yelled, and he screamed, and he threw things right and left. And everyone in that lunch counter was just itching to get their hands upon that young brat. And finally, in disgust, the mother took him by the collar and went out to the car. The little fellow never had a thing to eat. Of all the scenes I ever saw, just made me boil. I could see the waitresses and the chef and others just saying to themselves, let me have a hold of him. 
I'll fix him. The idea of having children raised up that kind with disobedience to parental authority. And the home, now notice, is a place where the children are supposed to learn to be obedient and to be disciplined in the Lord. And it goes on, says here, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, that it be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen, how can you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord until, first of all, you have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ? First, dad and mother, get right with God. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. You may have the finest home with all the modern luxuries and be able to give them the finest of education and leave them, yes, a million dollars inheritance and all of that. But I tell you, on the authority of God's Word, unless you and your children are born again, you'll spend a Christless eternity in separation from God. How we need to get back to the fundamentals of the faith and first of all, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and then to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way that should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart therewith. And have the rod of discipline, the rod to cause him to learn obedience, for this is right. Obedience from both the human and divine is right. Obedience is the fundamental law in all of God's universe. The sun, the moon, the stars and the planet and the waters and the rain and the sunshine are here because these elements are in obedience to God who sits upon the throne of eternity. Everything revolves around this one thing, obedience to a higher power. And God says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And one of the marks of the times, the days in which we're living, is this, a spirit of lawlessness, throwing off restraint, having our own way, doing that which is right in our own eyes, because there's no king in Israel. I thank God that I learned discipline and obedience when I was raised up in a Christian home one day, a group of us youngsters, all about 12 years of age, standing under the shade of a walnut tree up on the ranch near Redlands in, in summertime. One fellow began to boast about his dad and said something that he shouldn't said. And I thought that I would go that fellow one better. And believe it or not, my dad was standing right back of me and I didn't know it. I had no more than gotten the words out and said something that I shouldn't. Down came a big heavy hand on my shoulder and dragged me off to the woodshed. I made the mistake of my life. There was an orange slat there, and Dad took me over the knee and one whack with the orange slat, and it broke, and I began to laugh. And I wish I hadn't, because he picked up a heavier board, and for two days I had to eat off the mantle. <laughs> yes, we need to learn discipline and obedience. I must hasten. All right. Two definite commands are given to the parents. One negative and one positive. Ye fathers, now notice it. Provoke not your children to wrath. Do not irritate 
do not exasperate or discourage by unreasonable demands or by unnecessary interference, by nagging or by perpetual fault-finding or by harsh words, by constantly saying, don't, 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 but be firm, be loving, and demand obedience. And bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I said a moment ago, it's impossible to do this unless you are a born-again father or a born-again mother. And then as you meditate upon God's Word, God will give you wisdom and understanding. And don't leave this bringing up to some minister, good as he may be, or some Sunday school teacher. Send them off to Sunday school Sunday morning and you stay home and read the Sunday paper. God have mercy on you. Take your children to a Bible-loving Sunday school and at home teach them the things of God. May your home be a Christian home, but above that a spirit-filled Christian home. And begin at the cradle, up to young manhood. May you be where Christ is preeminent and lead your children early to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'm thankful that Dan loves the Lord. He's here with his lovely wife today. God's given them a beautiful child. God's been very good to it. Thankful that early, when Dan was some seven years of age, he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And I'm talking from experience. And with a heart thankful to God for what he has done in our Christian home. Are you in Christ today? If not, you're a lost soul. And God says, I'm not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I'll have to hasten. How many here in this visible audience will put their hand up today and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I need Christ as my personal Savior and like to be remembered in a word of prayer. Would you put your hand up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. Continue in prayer. No one leaving, please. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you. Oh, oh, oh.